Um, thanks again, everybody, for being here. Uh, this is our second night of um, stress and resiliency, theme of building resiliency. Um, the same cast of characters are back. And uh, I'm going to invite uh, Dr. Carla Berkeley up, and she's going to kick us off tonight. Hi, everyone. Nice to see you again. It's been a month, and now it's spring. Almost, right? Till tomorrow, maybe, or two days. So we are glad to be back with you tonight. We, this is a second of our three-part series on stress, which we talked about a lot last time, and resilience, which we're going to talk about today. Um, the third part is a session during Holy Week, which is the middle of April, where it really will be spring. Um, that's a night that youth don't have programming. So you are welcome. We're going to talk a little bit about that tonight, about some things we're going to do. We're actually going to practice some really cool strategies that night. You're welcome to come with your parents or with other adults to our session that night, but just know that's coming up, and we will be sharing information similar to what we did for the last one, where we have a 30-minute YouTube video that's available online to listen if you want to go back and listen to it or see it again. Okay. So tonight, building resilience. Um, Andrew, you want to kick us off? Next slide. Okay, so resilient people. What do you guys think? Do you see those six blocks there? This is what we're going to be talking about tonight. Not only these things, but the fact that we can help you with each of those blocks think about the best way to move into that kind of resiliency. The first one is our self-aware. Figuring out what's going on with you when stress hits and what you can do about it. Um, enlisting your support team. Connections. Look around you. You have them sitting, some of them sitting right here. And that means looking over at your parents even, right? So your support team are, are people that are around you that care about you. We're going to be talking about strategies, particularly for the youth tonight. Um, Paige will be in here with you, talking about how to look around and figure out which of your friends, which of your peer groups are good people to be around that can have some of that calm to foster the calm to build resiliency. Take care of your biology. That sounds like school, but really, it's not. Biology tonight, we'll be talking about eating, sleeping, finding some calm, exercising, enjoying some of those things. Having a self-care toolkit, that's part of what we're starting tonight that we're going to continue on as we go through this. Casey's, we are actually asking you to stay with the youth tonight in your groups because there will be some time for you to do some talking with your small group about building this self-care toolkit, also connections. But we will also be posting some of these strategies so you won't miss what we're talking about in the next room with the adults. So really building some of these strategies that we think you really find helpful and really actually fun. Helping others. That's an interesting one. Did you know that helping others actually has been proven by research to build our resilience, to make us feel better in the face of all this stress? That's pretty cool. We do a lot of those things here. Kid pack, right? Going and helping at Second Harvest, all of those kinds of things. So helping others is a great thing to do to boost your own resilience. Finally, what is that one down in the right-hand corner? Resilient people do not have all the answers. What? Isn't that part of being resilient, that you know exactly what to do? 
Turns out it's not. Turns out that if you're open to hearing from others, it's part of you being resilient to the stress that you're facing. That's because stress can come in so many ways. You can't have all the answers. All right, next slide. That's just a little intro to what we're going to be look, looking at tonight. Okay, Gretchen. Hello, it's good to see you all again. Another good turnout tonight. You guys probably recognize this slide from last time, right? It's the relationship between the way that we think and the way that we feel and what we do. And who remembers anything about why that's drawn in a triangle? Anybody? Remember anything about it? You didn't know you were going to be tested, did you? <laughs> well, <clears throat> the reason we draw it in a triangle and the reason we draw it with those arrows kind of pointing back and forth is because the way that we think influences the way that we feel and what we do. How we feel influences how we think and what we do. And what we do impacts how we think and how we feel, right? It all influences each other. And there's lots of examples about that, right? Anybody that's been in a cranky mood and then gone off and done something with your friends, hung out with your friends, right? The cranky mood, what happened to it? It went away, bye, see ya, right? And in its place came something a lot more pleasant, right? It's because you changed your activity, your feelings followed. Probably your thoughts changed too, because probably your thoughts didn't stay stuck on whatever it was that was making you feel cranky. Probably they shifted and got focused on your friends and whatever it was that you were doing, right? So they all, they all influence each other and impact each other. And we talked about that a little bit <clears throat> last week. But it's really the foundation. It's really what helps you, kind of gives you the framework for understanding how to be resilient. So let's go ahead and do the next slide. The next one, yep. Good. All right. What do you guys see? Wait, what? All right, who sees a duck? Raise your hand if you see a duck. Okay. Raise your hand if you see a rabbit. Yeah. Okay, raise your hand if you see both. Raise your hand if you can only see one. So, yeah, a few people can only see. So, okay, so which one can you guys see? You got it? Okay, right? So, the, so the, if you see the duck, it's the duck's bill are also the rabbit ears right? And then, and then the duck is facing one way, the rabbit's facing the opposite way. It's, it's, isn't this funny? Our perceptions are so interesting, aren't they? Right? The way that our brains see the world around us, it sometimes tricks us. And some of you have maybe seen things like this before and knew to look for two things, but imagine if you didn't. Imagine if you are just seeing it for the first time and I asked you, okay, what is this? Oh, it's a rabbit. What else is it? Nothing, just a rabbit. What are you talking about, right? Like you could be super sure that that was just a rabbit and it wouldn't be until I said, well, no, actually it's also a duck. And you'd be like, what? No. And then you'd have to kind of look for it. So our perceptions matter, right? Because they influence how we feel. It's how we think. It's how we feel. It's what we do. Okay, next one. So remember how we also talked about that there are ways that our mind tricks us, the ways that our thinking can trick us, lots of tricks. This is just a sampling of all the different kinds of ways that we can get tricked. And we did go over these last time, but I just kind of want to get you guys back in the groove, back in the way of thinking about these things. That, you know, examples being perfectionism, right? Needing it to be just right, just so, right? Can't, can't stop, got to have it be just right. If I can't get it all right, then forget about it. I'm not going to do it at all because why bother, right? All or nothing. That's fun, 
Pessimism, you know, just be having a general negative outlook on life or its close cousin, catastrophe, right? Oh my gosh, it's going to be a disaster. I can't possibly go do this thing because it's going to be horrible, it's going to be boring, it's going to be awful. No way, I can't do it. Um, I think shoulding's kind of a fun one, right? Oh, he should do this, she should do that, I should do that, I really should do that. I should do that. No, I shouldn't do that, right? It's all that shoulding. Um, that you do on yourself and others, it's not super helpful because usually what that means is you're setting some kind of an unrealistic expectation for yourself that you're always falling short of. That doesn't feel very good, right? So it's helpful when you catch yourself using the word should or must or try. That's another one. Try. How is try a mind trick? If I say I'm going to try and exercise more, yeah, okay. Who believes me? Hey, no one. Because it's really code for, I fully expect not to do that. <laughs> and so, but if I say, you know, I'm really, I've set a goal for myself to exercise more. And that's really my focus. Is that a little more believable? Does it sound like I might actually follow through and do something? Like I might actually move forward with that? Yeah. So, I'll, you know, so that's kind of that um, shoody oddy musty try mind trick. Um, you know, there's all or nothing. I hear some of that sometimes. Oh, I always feel stressed. I'm never relaxed, right? Well, I'm sorry, but that's probably not true. <laughs> there's probably windows in your life that you are more relaxed, like when you're sleeping, for example. Paige will talk more about this with people. Um, so just a whole lot of ways that our minds can trick us. And so it's, it, you know, keep thinking about that. As we get into what we're talking about tonight and ways of coping, part of it is the way that you think and making sure that you're thinking in healthy, helpful ways. Okay, next one. So um, I'm going to turn it over to Paige because one of the things that we wanted to do, we had, we had all of the youth give us feedback and um, ask to, you know, tell us something that they wanted the significant adults in their life to know about stress. And Paige collected all of those and, and compiled them and made sense of them all. So I'm going to have her talk a little bit about what Mount Olivet Youth had to say to us about stress. All right, so the last time, like Gretchen just mentioned, I had all of you guys write, <laughs> yes, hi, uh, write about what you wanted the important adults in your life to know about your stress. That was a pretty wide open question because I wanted to see where you would take it. And one of the places you guys took it was to the symptoms that we had talked about earlier in the session about how you can identify that you are stressed out. As you can see here, um, it's some of the stuff that you guys shouted out. And this is stuff that not only you experienced, but the adults in the audience also experienced. Some of the big ones were just feeling really worn out. I'm tired all the time. I want to sleep. I just don't really want to do anything. Physical aches and pains. This one kind of takes me back to that exercise that Carla did with the muscle relaxation and tensing all of the muscles and letting them go. And I think some of you recognized at the end of that exercise that your muscles just felt looser because we hold so much tension in our bodies when we're stressed out. Get it in your neck, in your back. Irritability. I think this was the first one that was called out when I asked for symptoms. Like, how do you know that mom's really stressed out. Oh, she gets cranky and she snaps at me or she's irritable. 
And I think that that was a very common one experience kind of across the board for adults and for, for the kids here. Depression and anxiety, those are some big topics that, I mean, a lot goes into those different pieces. One of the things that um, I wanted to kind of point out is that this is something that was more universal than I think a lot of people recognized. A lot of people mentioned wanting to sleep more, wanting to just curl into themselves and not really talk to one another, wanting to just isolate from the world, um, feeling really overwhelmed and sad. Um, and that really goes into depression as well as the fatigue does. Anxiety, just feeling really panicky, like nothing is ever gonna get done. I'm never gonna be able to finish it all and I just don't know how to deal with it. Next slide. In addition to the symptoms that people mentioned, we got a lot of different triggers to those different stressors. And so this one I think is very specific towards the kids. Um, as you can see, school and homework and tests is a very, very common one. I think everybody kind of expected that to be at the top of the list and it definitely was. A lot of the pieces, especially towards the bottom, are things that I think the adults can also be connected to running late, interacting with peers and friends, family, um, disorganization, wondering what people are thinking about you during the day, and not really knowing how you're being assessed. And then the relatively vague answer of many things and small things. Small things can push us over the edge sometimes when we're really stressed out, especially if we have lots of those little things. They add up to big things. Next slide. Okay, last th thing. Um, we get to watch a video again. Yes, thumbs up. All right. So we've heard directly from the youth about what they said about stress. That was a recap of our session last time. I hope that sounded familiar. You guys shared that. Thank you for being honest. What we know then is that it makes sense to that self-awareness is what we need to know, right, about stress. We need to know how is that going to really help us bounce back from that stress that we're all facing. Um, so here's a kind of a, a nice little summary, a two-minute video that's telling us a little bit of that story I told you last time from the caveman days, right, and tell you, and it leads us to think, Maybe stress isn't all bad after all. Stress could actually be helpful for us in some ways. So that's going to lead us straight into start talking about self-care strategies to boost that ability to handle stress and maybe even make it our friend. All right. Do you have a way to play that, Andrew? Okay, well, YouTube, that was, eh. So I think it's, if we can't figure out how to play this right away, I think maybe what we'll do is split, because we have it queued up in the other room for the adults, so if you end up finding out how to play it here for the kids, you can start with that. 
Um, but just know that what we're going to do, kids, we're, we're purposefully doing this, so you guys have some time with your small groups and with Paige to talk about those things that you, t that you shared with us about the stress, and then directly how that impacts on some of the resilience strategies that we're going to learn today. Remember, resilience, the ability to bounce back quickly from the stress. Okay? So adults, we're asking Casey to stay here. Everyone else can follow Gretchen and I into the fireside room, and Paige will be talking with you. Okay. Does the mic work? Does it work now? Okay, so we're just gonna skip past the video maybe and, s oh, maybe they got it, never mind. Good job, guys. <laughs> Woohoo! Yay! A test, a deadline at work, a difficult conversation, a traffic jam, your heart pounds. You breathe faster, your muscles tense, you sweat. It's all, well, very stressful. Plus, over time, all of this unpleasantness can raise your blood pressure, clog your arteries, and make you prone to anxiety, depression, and even addiction. Is the answer to avoid stress? As if that were possible. Actually, one answer is to take on more of it. Our body's response to stress is to fight or flee. It evolved to help us react quickly to get ourselves out of a jam. When danger strikes, the amygdala, the brain's fear sensor, alerts the hypothalamus that something is wrong. This almond-sized brain center makes a long-distance call to the adrenal glands. These sit just above your kidneys and pump epinephrine into the blood. You become focused. Your reflexes improve. Your senses sharpen. To keep the tension high, the hypothalamus acts again. This time, it tells the pituitary glands to nudge the adrenal glands to spew out cortisol. This stress hormone pushes glucose out of your tissues and into the blood, giving your body extra energy. Modern stressors are usually not life-threatening, so this whole cascade of events can be overkill, causing people to fret when there really isn't much to worry about. But ironically, you need stress to fight stress. Taking on reasonable challenges, like speaking in front of a small group or standing up to a friend who is bothering you, conditions your brain to handle stressful situations. The brain's chief executive, the prefrontal cortex, gains power. So the next time a deadline looms or the traffic backs up, it shuts up the amygdala, stifling the alarm. You can now tolerate that stress. You are resilient. <sighs> For Scientific American's Instant Egghead, I'm Ingrid Wickelgren.
All right, go ahead, next slide. Next one. All right, so you guys learned some awesome vocab words from that video, huh? Those are some uh, big scientific words that you can use in regular vocabulary, regular conversations, spring it up at school. Like, hey, did you know that when we're stressed, my amygdala tells my hypothalamus, so on and so forth. Anyways, um, so we can't really talk about stress and resilience without really talking about the basic that goes into taking care of the body. So these are the things that are not only going to help you deal with stress that's already present, but these are the things that are going to help you become more resilient, for lack of a better phrase, um, to stress that hasn't even happened yet. These are the things that are going to help decrease the impact of those things. So these I consider to be more of the preventative or long-term skills to use. So I know that you guys have had multiple health classes, I'm sure, and so this is stuff that I'm sure you have heard a bunch of times. So I wanted to hear from you what you know about eating, for example. What do you know that you need to do to be healthy? Just shout out answers. This is a balanced diet, and you need to eat. <laughs> and drink, yep, you need to have water, yes. Protein. Fruits, vegetables, proteins, not a lot of junk food, and eating regular meals. Okay, so you guys learned some, some things in health class. Good to know that you retain some of that information. Sleeping, I think that is a huge one for preteens and teens alike. Why would I say that that's a big one? Growing, look at you. Yes, you are growing, and growing people need more sleep. I don't know if you guys have siblings or friends or yourself who would happily sleep all day Saturday and not wake up until three o'clock in the afternoon and then want to go back to bed at like nine. Anybody know some of somebody like that? Right, exactly. So adults, I think you've probably also learned this in health class, need on average seven to nine hours of sleep. Not bad. How many hours do growing teens slash preteens need? Very good. You guys are so smart. That is very true. We need, we, as if I'm a teenager again. <laughs> Teens need eight to 11 hours of sleep every night. How many people actually get 11 hours of sleep on a school night? Right. I think you would have to go to bed at about, what, seven o'clock, six o'clock in order for that to happen? <laughs> right, exactly. So, given that we are not necessarily getting the amount of sleep, adults or teens, that we should be getting, that does not provide us an opportunity to be as resilient as we could. So, I'd like to use these as examples and the mind and body, the analogy of like a cell phone. And since most of you probably have cell phones or something similar, like a tablet or whatever else you guys use. I'm not techie. I'm not going to pretend I am. These 
are when you plug your phone in and charge it. If you are not doing these things, your battery is going to be very low. And stress drains your battery even more. So without proper sleep, without eating, your battery is going to be dead, or very close to being dead, and you're not necessarily going to be able to react in the best way to stress that you would if your battery was fully charged. So moving, exercising. You guys are sitting in school all day long and moving probably only for gym class or from class to class. So how do you guys get exercise? You don't. That's an honest answer, okay. Yes. Between and after classes? Okay. Yes. Walking the dog after school. Go ahead, yes. Yeah. Running or work, is that what you said? Sports, okay. So if you're involved in a sport, you're going to be able to participate in some physical activity. Not everybody, however, is involved in a sport. And instead, one thing that I find when I work with kids and teens is that a lot of the time at home, once they get home from school, is spent watching TV or on YouTube or on phones. And that is not necessarily going to be helpful in getting you up and active and out the door or moving. And instead, research suggests that excessive amounts of TV or screen time is actually a way of suppressing your ability to feel the stress. What do you guys think about that? I wanted to get some opinions on that. Cause, see, yeah, exactly. Don't tell parents that we're not supposed to watch TV. What? <laughs> right. Key word here, though, is excessive. I'm not saying it's all bad. But if you're sitting there for three hours at a time, that might become an issue. The reason it's an issue is that it doesn't give us an outlet for the stress that we have. It just kind of puts it on pause and makes us wait until it's over, and then the stress has grown or it hasn't been addressed. And so finding something to do to address the stress is what's really important. And breathing. That's something that we do involuntarily. However, if you remember from the last session that we had, Carla had us go through a mindfulness breathing activity. And that is something that can be especially helpful just to do on a regular basis, just to remind ourselves to slow down and breathe. <laughs> this can also be helpful in the moment, which is what we're gonna talk about next. Go ahead, next slide. All right, so in the moment, right before the test is coming out and you are completely freaking out, what are some things that you can do? How long is that gonna work though? Not very long. <laughs> No, I don't think it's going to work until high school to fake going to the bathroom. Right, so self-awareness, this is what Gretchen had talked about, or Carla had mentioned in the very beginning, self-awareness, just being very aware of what's going on for you. What am I paying attention to? What questions, what thoughts, what feelings are going through me right now? Are they helpful thoughts? Are they some of those 
those tricky thoughts that aren't going to necessarily help me through this test. And some of the coping strategies that we had briefly talked about in the last session, but I also got to read a number of these from um, you guys when you left your post-it notes. So some of you guys had to say that it's hard to deal with. Someone had commented that it's all the time, they have it all the time, every waking moment of every single day. And another person at the same time said, well, it only lasts an hour, I get over it, and then I move on. Those are very different responses, right? I think that it is great to recognize that stress, anxiety, feelings in general are short-lived. Our thoughts are what make them last longer. And if we can recognize the thoughts that are feeding into them and stop them, then we're going to be much better off because we're going to be able to move forward and actually find a resolution to the stress versus just thinking about it and, and freaking out about it. So, when we're overwhelmed with stress, our stressed out thinking and the big emotions that come along with it get in the way and distract us from being able to figure out what to do next. So taking a break um, can help us refocus our attention. So some of the things that can be helpful um, are some of the things that we talked about in the last session too, like doing an art project, taking a walk, um, doing one of those breathing exercises that we did with Carla last time. Um, some of the things that can also be really helpful are things that involve multiple senses. So some of the things that I can think of is like, not that anybody wants to volunteer for this, but taking a cold shower can like really snap you out of it <laughs> really fast. Not many people want to do that on a regular basis, but if you do, more power to you. Listening to music. Who listens to music when they're stressed out? Absolutely. Right. Because it focuses your attention away from those thoughts and onto the music. Baking or cooking, does anybody do that? There you go. Because that involves taste, it involves your sight, being able to pick out the ingredients, you have to think about what you're doing, and it smells really good, potentially, if you're a good cook or baker. <laughs> what are some other examples that you guys can think of that you do when you're stressed? Exercise. Good long-term and short-term goal. <laughs> what? Practice your instrument, very good, yeah. So kind of coming up with a different subject to focus on. You do what? Meditate, wow. Okay, so some of that, that mindfulness stuff that we had talked about. I think it would be cool, because I know that you guys meet regularly with your small groups and with your cases, and I'm sure that you have a number of techniques that you use that you might not even know that are used for distress tolerance or for just ways to deal with your stress. If you share that stuff with each other, you might be able to learn from one another. All right, next slide. <laughs> so this is a slide that we had in the last one as well. Not sure if you guys remember, but this is a way to deal with some of those negative self-talk statements or some of those, those ants 
those automatic negative thoughts, those thought tricks that come into our minds, especially when we're stressed out or our batteries are especially low, like we haven't plugged them in by sleeping very much. So when we have some of those negative thoughts, if we can take a moment to just walk through these different questions, we can start to challenge some of those thoughts, not only that we have about ourselves, but about the situation. Does anybody have an example of a, a really negative thought that we can challenge with these questions? I think of test time every time. Whenever I think of tests, I remember it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> How many people think before a test, I'm going to totally fail this test? Right, almost everybody in this room has had that thought. So what are the facts that go into that? Or are they more assumptions or guesses? Or some of our own just like self-esteem and self-doubt getting in the way of those things? The facts are we studied for the test. We were here for the material that was presented in class. We did all of the homework. And I already have an A in this class. So the likelihood that I'm not going to suddenly know anything is probably pretty low. If the test is tomorrow, what's in my control? Studying, yes, preparing for the test. That is absolutely within your control. So that means, moving on to the next one, is this a solvable problem? Yes, I can do something about it. I might be anxious, I might be worried about the test, but I have different steps that I can take to actually take care of this and make sure that I'm going to be doing the best thing that I possibly can to, to see if I'm, or to put myself in a good place to do well on this test. You guys are antsy tonight, goodness gracious. <laughs> All right, go ahead, next slide. All right, so. Identifying the problem that you're worried about might sound like it is super obvious, but it's actually really not. And a lot of the times we get anxious and we try different things out and they're not necessarily successful in decreasing our anxiety because we're not actually addressing the right problem. So an example, I didn't finish my homework. What would be the problem that is actually there? It could be any number of things. It could be that I didn't write it down. I didn't see that we even had homework. I forgot it at school. Or I forgot the stuff that I needed at school and so I can't do it and it's due tomorrow. I waited until the last minute and I can't do it. I ran out of time because I have soccer and swimming and basketball <laughs> and any other number of things that you guys have on your schedules. I did it, but I left it at school or I left it at home. So by identifying what specifically the problem is, you're gonna be able to then move forward in the process of figuring out like, okay, so how can I actually fix this problem or how can I make it so that I'm going to be the most it's gonna be the most helpful and I'm gonna be the most successful in this situation. One of the things that I want to point out is testing it out and what happened. Note that it did not say here, did it work? Can anybody guess why I want to avoid did it work? 
it, it, it could be very stressful because it's one of those, those automatic thoughts, one of those brain tricks, because it's either yes or no. And that's a very black and white answer. If it was not 100% successful and you are completely stress-free, it didn't technically work. And so I want to encourage you guys to ask what was helpful about this and what wasn't helpful. What can I tweak to make it more successful next time? Go ahead, next slide. So now I am gonna have you guys talk with your small groups for this question. So problem number one, Mary is friends with both Jake and Sally. Mary hears Jake say mean things about Sally behind her back. You are Mary in this situation. Can we go back to the previous slide? I want you guys to run through these different questions. As Mary, what is the problem in this scenario? Bring you guys back in. First question I want to know is, as Mary in this scenario, how many of you would feel stressed out? Yes. I'm actually surprised there aren't more. <laughs> I would be stressed out if there was, if two of my friends, who are mutual friends, there's gossip going on here, and I'm sure this happens all the time within your friend groups and at school. Were you guys able to identify just one single problem as Mary, or were there lots of them? There were lots of them. So if you decided like the main issue in this whole situation was, I don't know which one of my friends I should side with. If that, was the solu if that was the question you were asking, if that was the real biggest problem that you identified, your solution and what you're going to do is gonna be very different than if your question was, should I tell Sally? Right? There are going to be different solutions. There's gonna be different thoughts and feelings that go into those things. So the follow-up question now, the scenario changes, it's the same situation, but now Sally found out that Jake has been talking about her behind her back, and now they're in this big feud. And your friend group is being separated. The questions and the thoughts and the feelings that are gonna go into that scenario are now gonna be completely different. If you guys wanna talk about the scenario after, go right ahead. But I'm gonna skip ahead because there's a lot of information I wanted to get through. And I wanna give you guys a little bit of time to do um, a little bit more discussion with your small groups. So go ahead and skip to the next one. All right, so sometimes there are going to be situations that we can't necessarily change. Like, my trip got canceled because there was a snowstorm. <laughs> right? It's a very, it could happen, you know. It's Minnesota. So those are situations, along with 
decisions other people make. You can't change other people's behaviors and decisions and feelings. And so sometimes we just have to accept the things that come to us. And so I wanted to do a, I don't know if the link is gonna work. <laughs> okay, you guys are all prepared, look at this. All right, so similar to what we did with Carla last time, I wanted to do just a short um, mindfulness breathing activity. But this one is a little bit more focused on community and acceptance of um, kindness to ourselves and others. And so before we jump into that, I wanted you to just do a little bit of self-reflection. And so on a scale from one to 10, and you don't have to share this, this is just for your own knowledge. On a scale from one to 10, how stressed out are you right this second? Okay, let's go ahead and play it. <laughs> Beginning to feel the movement of your breath, the actual sensations of breathing reminding yourself that you are here, alive and whole. When you're ready, you might bring to mind the image of a person you know or you've known in your life to be loving and kind to you, someone who easily evokes feelings of warmth and love. Could be a spouse or a partner, parent or family member, a mentor or a close friend. Someone who's been good to you, helps you feel safe and whole, whose caring easily emanates from them to you. And if a person past or present doesn't come to mind, maybe someone who you know to be an inspirational may come. Someone is easy to imagine sending wishes of well-being to, wishing them well. And if it feels right, imagining saying to them, Hard to understand, right? May you be happy, healthy, and whole. While you're saying this, picturing them receiving your wishes for them, seeing them close to you, hearing your whispers of goodwill. May you have love, warmth, and affection. All right, let's go ahead and pause it because it's kind of hard to understand. It's kind of mumbly over the speakers. <laughs> At least that was my perception of things. <laughs> it's really good, though. We'll post the link up. Um, but this is actually the part that I really wanted to get into. So that's helpful because we only have 10 minutes left. So if we can, um, so part of what was really good about the post-its that you guys left for me last time was that a lot of you had a lot of feedback for parents and for friends about who you wanted to be involved in helping you de-stress and who you didn't want. <laughs> I'm sure some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And so w when we enlist our support, we have to recognize that there are going to be different people involved in our lives at different aspects. And so let's go ahead and move to the next, actually. Enlisting your support team. Why is it important that we have a support team to begin with? You feel better. Right. Why do we need other people? Or do we not need other people? You don't. You know what? I hear that all the time. You know, I have teenagers who come in and, you know, I don't need any other friends. I, I have one. We're good. We're fine. 
I don't need anybody. I can do this all by myself. One thing that is important to recognize, going back to the biology here, is that we absolutely need other people. Like biologically, to a cell base, we need interaction with other people in order to survive. They have done studies um, with children in orphanages, for example, who have all of their biological needs met. They are changed, they are fed, but they're not held. What do you think happens to these babies who are not held and interacted with by other people? They cry, yep. Right, right. It's a very lonely thing, right? Not only is it lonely and they cry and they don't have that need met, they don't grow, they don't develop, and some of them even don't make it at all. And so we really, as human beings, we need other people. So when do you go and talk to other people? Yes. Right. Right, when we are feeling sad, when we're feeling anxious, when we're worried or stressed, we seek out other people in order to sometimes just vent, sometimes to get feedback, like what should I do? But who do we go to? And so I wanted to use the last few minutes here to have you guys talk in your small groups. My big question for today is, what topics do you take to your friends and what topics do you take to parents or trusted adults? And how do you decide that? All right, small group discussion and then I'll bring you back for like the last minute. So five minutes, talk. <laughs> All right, thank you, note card passers. <laughs> All right, so I hope that that stemmed some good discussion. I would love to hear what the topics were. <laughs> some big ones that I wanna make sure that is on everybody's list. I recognize that as preteens and teens, your friend groups are becoming more and more important and you're going to wanna talk more and more to those different friends, thank you. <laughs> more and more to friends. And in fact, that was kind of reflected in some of the in information that you guys gave to me on those note cards before, or the post-its, whatever. In that parents don't always make it better. And sometimes, even though they're probably intending very well, they can make your stress worse. And so going to friends can be very helpful. There are some topics, however, that need to go to adults. And so, my rule of thumb, if someone, if yourself, if you're not going to be safe or someone else is not going to be safe, that is an automatic adult conversation. And another thing is if a friend tells you something and you feel overwhelmed just hearing the information, that's probably a good sign that an adult should be involved in that conversation. So we didn't get to talk about everything and so I, along with Gretchen and Carla, we're going to be putting a podcast together with the rest of the information so that you guys have it, because there's a ton of really good stuff in here, guys. <laughs> if only we had three hours to talk. So. If only. If only, right? I would happily stand here and talk for three hours. Okay, so with the note card, what I want you to put is what you found most helpful or interesting about tonight's conversation. And number two, what you would like to have learned. 
so possibly another podcast discussion. So then if you could just put those on the piano as you leave and grab a handout, that would be fantastic. So two things again, everybody. What did you find that was helpful? And what do you want to know more about? Yes. Right? Yes. What was helpful? What do you want to know more about? As you are writing those things down, I have two announcements for you. First of all, can we thank Paige, everybody? Yay. Thank you. Thank you.